Resource Nexus has BYU as a seven seed. The Barking Crow, whatever that is, doesn't have BYU <laughs> as of Monday. The Barking Crow. I hate looking up How NIT bracketology. The Barking Crow not have BYU in the NIT bracketology. One of my favorite Jack Handy phrases. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Interviews and insight from this week in Cougar Sports. Every Saturday, only on BYU Radio. To lead off, here's the double coverage interview of the week. Joining us now in Studio B is the newest member of the BYU football team. It was announced yesterday, center coming over from the University of Utah, but now he's a BYU Cougar, Paul Miley. Yeah. Welcome to BYU Sports Nation, Paul. Appreciate it, man. Appreciate y'all having me. I like the look, dude. You must be a confident dude. Uh, nah, this is uh, my, my friend's brand, man. This is uh, his friend, my friend's older brother, Frontline, man. Shout out Frontline. Oh, Very nice. nice. It looks okay. comfortable. Appreciate it. Yeah, it is comfy, man. You're the, you're the second former Ute to come on a BYU TV show in massive pink. Samson Nakua <laughs> had a big old pink, like fluffy, what's, what's it called? I can't remember. But it's yeah. basically just a blanket. The blanket that you wear. Com- yeah, maybe a comfy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah anyways. Yes. Com- it exudes confidence. I was going to wear my gray comfy today. So that's funny. Hey, all good, man. You can wear that next time you're on the show. What have the last 48 hours been like for you as all of this has become official? Shoot, man, it's been been crazy, hectic, just a lot of mixed emotions. And I mean, and I, I never saw myself coming down here, but just coming on an official and meeting Kalani, man, hearing his plan and just meeting all the staff, man, and all the boys that reach out to me show love, all the staff reach out show love, so... Man, it's different, and I just I, I love being down here. And, but, yeah, the last, like, 24 hours have been crazy. Just BYU fans showing love, man, and just, yeah, it's my, I had to turn off my phone, man. It was too much. <laughs> <laughs> too much positivity. Yeah. You got a well-groomed mustache, so you fit in right, right, right yes, away, sir. which is great. Um, what went into the decision, one, to transfer, and then two, to pick BYU? Uh, just the decision to transfer was just, I just feel like I needed something new. Uh, I'd been at Utah for, you know, I mean, I'm old, man, for five years, so. You fit in if you're old. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just, yeah, I just wasn't anything with the boys. I love the boys up there. I love the coaches up there. I got nothing but love for everybody up there. It's just I needed something new for me and just needed a fresh start. What kind of newness were you seeking? Because, you know, back-to-back Rose Bowls and playoff contention, right? Certainly that's uh, exciting competitively, but obviously there's more to life than what happens on the field. Uh, I guess it's just. A new start, like all I've ever known was Salt Lake City, Utah, you know what I mean? I'm, a, I'm from Salt Lake City, you know what I mean? I never left. East High, repping? East High, yes, sir. Shout out the Lepers, man. Shout out East High. Um, yeah, it's just I needed something fresh, man. All I've ever known is Salt Lake, and I just feel like you can only grow when you're in uncomfortable situations. And shoot, I'm, <laughs> I'm really uncomfortable down here, you know what I mean? This side, <laughs> I never thought I'd see myself down here. But like I said, you know what I mean? I just came and talked to Kalani, man, and he's a dude, man. He's a dude. Yeah. Man. Coach Funk, man. He's, he's a dude, too, and I appreciate them just even reaching out, man. So, Hey, for what it's worth, you, you say you're an old guy. I feel like you're kind of a young guy at BYU still. <laughs> even after five years. Experience. It's, it's yeah, all good, yes. And yeah. the experience is a huge addition to this offensive line. I, w- I want to get into the details of, of where you feel like you fit in the offensive line, but first I want to follow up um, with your visit with Kalani and how that impacted you because clearly that – you know, had a huge factor in you coming to BYU. What, what was said? What, what, what kind of a vision did he lay out for you? Man, it's just like, if y'all know, like, honestly, leading up to it, like, I've heard nothing but good things about dude, about Kalani, Coach Kalani, and just, 
Like, I was just like, bro, like, every, everything everybody's saying about him, like, it can't be real. Like, there's, like, all these people saying nothing but good things. Like, there got to be something. <laughs> like, I feel like everybody lying at this point. And so, nah, it's like, I got to meet the dude for myself. And it's just, I mean, I didn't really know where I was going to end up, you know. And so I just, BYU was the first. It wasn't even, I wouldn't even really say, like, an official visit. Like, I came down for just, it was just one day, a couple hours. Came around the facility, like, looked at, like, the weight room, looked at all the, I mean, O-line room, and just met with all the coaches. And, yeah, man, it's just... Y'all just know how he is, man. It's like it wasn't even really like anything he said, just like his aura, man, and just the type of dude, like just good vibes. And, man, I just I, I believe in what I mean, him, Coach A-Rod and Coach Funk trying to do down here, man. And mm. I just I want to be a part of something like that, man. And I know they, I don't know, they got all the trust in me, man, and I trust them. So I know we can do something special. All our decisions in life in any situation are based on what you want out of that experience. That's, that's at least my experience. I guess, what, have, what do you want out of this experience and how did kind of BYU cater to that? I just, I don't know. It's my last year, you know what I mean? And I feel like I just wanted to make the biggest jump I could and just, Skylar Main's a big dude, he's here, man. And I, I, I work with Skylar a lot, you know what I mean? And Sports scientist, got sports the big scientist. mustache. Yeah, I know. seen him on the sideline. He's yeah. a guru, man. He's a dude yep. too, so it's just. Because he's worked at Utah and BYU, right? Yeah, not uh, just boys. Like we we'll go, you know okay. I mean? go work, work out, out with him, him independently. Yeah, gotcha. So it's just we, there's boys from everywhere. I mean, you got NFL dudes that go there, and it's just mm -hmm. I just like, he told me he was down here, man. So that was like the main thing that got me through the door. But just when I met with Kalani, man, like I, he's a dude, man. I got nothing but good things to say about him. As for growth, like what I'm looking for is just I know what I'm capable, man, and I know what I can do. It's just I just wanted a fresh start, and I yeah. just wanted a good culture, man. So I wanted to, I mean, just have fun playing football and. Kalani and them boys saying, like, we're going to have fun. So it's just, yeah. I was like, let's do it then. You know what I mean? New BYU offensive lineman Paul Miley is on BYU Sports Nation as the Cougars transition into the Big 12. You know the Power 5. You played in the Pac-12. But now to where you feel like you fit in on this offensive line. Uh, Connor Pay, you mentioned to us before we, we came back that you're going to hang out with him a little bit later today and watch some film. He's been playing center at BYU. Where do you see yourself fitting in on the offensive line this year? I can play center, guard, and I mean, anywhere, or even if they just need me to coach up, you know what I mean, help up the young dudes, it's just wherever they need me, I can play. Of course, I, you know, I prefer playing center. I like to run the show, you know, I like, <laughs> I like to make the calls, but wherever, you know what I mean, coach feel like they need me, and wherever I can fit best with those, you know what I mean, those five, and where they need me in that room, man. So it don't really matter to me, it's just wherever I can help the team. Which is awesome because we were talking about the offensive line. Like, l listen, not everybody talks O-line. We were talking O-line in the A-block, which is fun. <laughs> um, is Kingsley's obviously a future NFL guy. Hopefully you're an NFL mm -hmm. guy, right? Connor Pay was highly graded, second best PFF grade in pass blocking. And then you bring in some other transfers. Like, what, what about that group kind of excites you as you get to know these guys? And after last year's amazing offensive line from BYU, that you guys hope to continue that, that note? Iron sharpen iron, man. You know what I mean? It's good to be around dudes that got the same goals as you, that want to grind. You know what I mean? And like you're saying, I mean, they're NFL dudes. It's like, I'm an NFL dude too. So it's like, let's work together. You know what I mean? And just make each other better. <laughs> what do you, or what did you uh, learn at the University of Utah that you feel like is going to help you transition right away into the Big 12? Hard work, man. You know what I mean? Those you, up there at the U, man, they know how to work hard. So it's just, I feel like I'm gonna give them my all every day and just, you won't have to question, you know what I mean? If the work's being done, like it's gonna be done, so. How much of BYU going to the Big 12 was influential for you? Cause it sounds, you haven't mentioned it to this point. Um, if BYU was independent, would BYU still have been a great option for you? Or was the Big 12 a big uh, thing for you? Honestly, I didn't even consider that. It was more just, 
beating Kalani. Like, even if they're still independent, like, I had that conversation and it went the way it went. Like, you know what I mean? I'm, I'm, I want, I want to go, I want to run through a wall for that dude. You feel me? Like, yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, he tends to make that happen, right? This is, this is something that we hear often when, uh, when players interact with Kalani Satake. There's something about, you know, that bond, and it happens quickly. Um, so we're still trying to figure out what that is. You said you just, you just know. What, what is the special factor? I don't know, man. It's just like I barely even know the two. Like we've probably only known each other for two weeks. You know what I mean, but it's just like I don't know. Like when I when I first entered the portal, he called me like within two minutes. Like you know what I mean? <laughs> like, it's just like I was like, this dude really. Know me? <laughs> I, it's just unreal, man. I don't know what it is. I don't not explain. It. It's just he got good vibes, man. It's his aura and just yeah. I don't know what it is. It's just I know he's real though, and I know it's like he's not feeding me no. I mean, no BS or nothing. Yeah. Yeah, no, he's, he's legit. One of the best people. Uh -huh. um, so if I read this right, your stepdad's uh, Henry Kafusi? Yes, sir. So Kafusi's uh, on both sides of the rivalry are fun, but maybe we traded Devin for you in like a first-round pick <laughs> <laughs> in the future or something. What, what, what's the Kafusi uh, clan like uh, with, with Henry and obviously all the Kafusis in on both sides of this rivalry? Uh, it's just family-oriented, man. It's just, they support me wherever I go. And just like when Dev first came down to Utah, you know what I mean? It's just, it was all love and it's just... You're like, hey, cousin. Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> That's how we always greet each other. Like, and me and Dev got really close while he was at Utah, so I'm grateful he was there and I got to, you know what I mean? Like, we didn't really, like, we weren't all that close. And I mean, he grew up in Provo. I grew up uh, here in, in Salt Lake, so, like, being able to play with each other for those last two, three years, it was nice, man. And just, yeah, it's just Gafusi family, man. It's bigger than football, so... Yeah, an amazing family. For sure. Uh, that, that family tree is just littered with awesome people and <laughs> athleticism. And We're talking with Paul Miley on BYU Sports Station. Paul, you said Kalani called you like two minutes after you put your name in the portal. When you were deciding to put your name in the portal and ultimately decided like, yeah, I'm going to do it, was BYU on the radar at all at that point? I mean, I was just considering anywhere, you know what I mean? And it's just like my only like thing I knew about BYU really was Skyler Maine. And I mean, I like, he's a dude too. Like I, I, I love Skyler man. And so I feel like he's just what got my foot in the door, wanted to check it out. But yeah, I wasn't even like, I, I, my options was anywhere. Like I was like open to go anywhere. It's just whatever the right fit was. And it just happened to be like <laughs> my first trip, man. Let's talk more about uh, Dr. Maine, uh, Dr. Skyler Maine. What is it that uh, he does that influences you and others so much? Because you said he was the reason you kind of got in the door here. It's just, he's a, it's the same thing like about Kalani, man. He's just a dude and he's just like real. You could feel like, I mean, talking with them, it's just like, I don't know, like you, you can just tell, you know what I mean? It's the vibe and it's just conversation. And it's just, anytime I go work with them, it's just been love. And I never felt no, nothing bad from him. So it's just building that connection and just, I mean, he made me really want to come check it out and just, I mean, hear them out. Honestly, I wasn't even thinking about it. As far as the school timeline goes, you are enrolled and, and in classes right now, correct? Yes, sir. Okay, so how has that transition been? Because there's not much time there. Like, you make a decision, now all of a sudden you're in school. So what's that been like as you acclimate to BYU from a class perspective? It's just, yeah, it's crazy, honestly. <laughs> I mean, it's, school's always, I mean, Football's the hardest thing, you know what I mean, about college football. So I feel like school is just, school, you just get it done. So I just stay on top of it. It's just, school's the same at Utah as it is here. So just got to get it done. Well, BYU needed somebody to replace their East alum, Joe Tukuafu. <laughs> yes, need a leopard. So need to maintain at least Joe one Tukuafu leaves. Got to have one more coming. Paul, you're, you're there to fill that void yes, and uh, be part of the offensive line. Hey, we're 
so grateful to talk with you today, man. Welcome Appreciate to BYU You're related to Frank, by the way? Frank's my uh, dad's brother. My, uh, Your brother. uncle? Yeah. Straight up uncle? Yeah. Frank's a good dude. Frank's a dude, That's too, awesome, man. I love man. Frank. Love my Miley side, too, man. I'm, yep. I'm blessed to have two great families, man. Fantastic. Uh, okay, Boise State, which BYU played last? So we should know, when you come on the show, you, just by nature of you granting us some of your time, you get BYU Sports Nation karma. And you can Good utilize luck. that however yeah. you want. I appreciate okay. y'all, okay. man. Using class, using a spring. <laughs> Wherever where you want to use it. Life will be good. It'll get better. That's cool. I appreciate it. Well, welcome it. to BYU, man. I Great to have you. Y'all. Thank you. That was one of our favorite interviews this week. You're listening to the best of BYU Sports Nation. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. What's Trending presented by Tim Daly Ford, part of the Tim Daly Auto Group, serving Utah since 1968. Here comes an offensive lineman from the University of Utah, Paul Miley, to join Daryl Funk and Kalani Satake in Provo. So, Jerem, how does the addition of Paul Miley solidify the current status of the BYU offensive line, who have had a lot of departures yes. through graduation or the draft and certainly the transfer Transfers. portal? Yeah, let's talk about who left. So, Blake Freeland's going to be a... Uh... Uh, day one or two uh, tackle that's gone, Clark Barrington over to Baylor. Harris Lachance going in the NFL. Campbell Barrington went to uh, Baylor. Those are some big names lost. So four of the top probably six or seven linemen on the team. So that's tough. But Kingsley Suamatia was the right tackle. He'll probably move to left tackle. Connor Pay was the top graded center or second best graded center in the country, which is pretty awesome uh, in, in pass blocking specifically. Paul Miley comes in. The battle for who's the center there will be pretty interesting. I'd imagine that whoever isn't that guy could be obviously the backup or perhaps a guard. We'll see. Waylon Lapuahu comes in from Utah State, who started all 12 games. Of course, Ului punched his way through Boise State a few years ago. We like Lapuahos. Nice. Braden Kime is a backup tackle that uh, figures to perhaps play prominently. Lisala Tai, they really like. He's going to be a star. Yes. Sione Vecoso, unfortunately, was going mm. to be in the mix here. Tragedy in December, he passed away. Just want to always acknowledge that he was going to be part of this group. Ian Fitzgerald transfers in uh, from Missouri State. Yeah. Remember, that's a team that almost beat uh, Arkansas on the road. Um, so he, he played well. He was the highest-graded offensive lineman on Missouri State squad, for what it's worth. I would hope so. Uh, I don't want to bring in the fifth-graded guy from Missouri State. I want the top guy. Um, and then there are other guys in the mix, but those are kind of the big names that, that could uh, make this offensive line pretty stinking good. Now, will they be as good as this last year? I, I don't think there's any way. I, I, the top-blocking, pass-blocking team in the country, the 12th-best run-blocking team in the country, that was a really special group. That's a lot to ask. They don't have to be that group. They just need to be good. Now, I, I brought this up before. Walking into the 9 season, BYU had lost four or five starters and played Oklahoma in game one, and we thought, oh, man, there's no way BYU is going to be able to run the ball. Harvey Young is out for that game. Oh, they showed up. So I expect this group to show up because Kingsley Suamati is going to be an NFL pick. Connor Pace, super highly drafted, Paul, or, uh, graded. Paul Miele uh, is the starting center on a Rose Bowl team, a yes. Power 5 champ. Yeah. That experience, that desire to be on BYU's team for whatever reason, which we'll find out in about 15 minutes when he comes in. He's a three-star. great. Yeah, he's a three-star coming out of high school, but he's been at a Power 5 program and started there, so he feels like a four-star. He feels like a four-star. Yeah. Braden Kime has waited his time. Lisa Latai has waited his time. Ian Fitzgerald wants to be a part of this. So I'm excited about that group, and given how good BYU was last year and what they did, and obviously Jaron Hall gets the ball out, he doesn't turn it over, that helps. I'm excited about that particular group of uh, six or seven guys, not to mention some return missionaries and other guys who have been on the team who want a shot as well who we haven't brought up. 
we haven't brought up the greatest mullet on the team, which belongs to Tyler Little, who was on the defensive line at one point last year. Is he year, but an offensive lineman again? I don't, I don't know. Does he come back? Yeah. It's a lot to ask this offensive line, having lost so much for all of the reasons that we stated earlier, to come back and be the top-rated pass-blocking line in the country. Like if they're top 30, it'd be like, nice. Yeah, oh, and be number 12 in run blocking as well. But I do think, and I'm glad that you brought up the number 30 because that's the number I was looking at. I think this group can be a top 30 position group. For sure, they bring back enough. Kingsley Suamataia is a legit five-star. Like, we think he's going to be a first or second round draft pick. And if you ask Aaron Roderick, he performed to that level and then some last year. Connor Pay has been, in a lot of ways, the quarterback of the offensive line. I know that a few games he lost his starting position to Joe Tukuafu. It was just one game, Spence. Okay, so for whatever reason. One game, whatever. We heard the coaches say, well, Joe earned it. Okay? Connor was mad. We know that. We don't know much else beside that, but Connor earned it back. And he's coming back for another go in the Big 12. And that's the other element here. This offensive line is now going to face... 10 Power 5 opponents and 9 Big 12 opponents. No BYU team has ever done this. So how will that impact the pass-blocking grade and the run-blocking grade? You would think, just by nature of more difficult competition week in and week out, that'll drop a little bit. But I still think this group, there's enough collective experience there and enough star power, (laughs) pun intended, that they can put together a top 30 group. Like, if I just say Kingsley Suomataia, Connor Pei, Braden Kime, and then mention Paul Paul Miley. Miley. Yeah. Like, okay, yeah, that's a top 30 group. And continue to develop some of these other guys. What if Ian Fitzgerald comes in and he's amazing? Waylon Lapuahu. What if LaSala Tai is like, whoa! Yes. Listen, O-line is interesting. More than any other position, maybe quarterback, Spence, it takes like two and a half years just just to crack the two deep sometimes because you're putting on weight, you're understanding the playbook, you're working on that quickness and agility. Like, what's your arm reach? Are you a tackle? Are you a guard? Like, at the next level, they just make tackles guards. Like, but in college, you can get a 6'2 guy like Paul Miley. He's a center, right? But then you get, like, a 6'6 guy like Kingsley, and obviously he's a dominant tackle. And BYU was so good last year at left tackle with Blake Freeland that a five-star didn't play that position. Wild. He played right tackle. Right tackle is the second best tackle on the team. Left tackle, obviously, the blind side made famously, for a right-handed quarterback, is your number one spot. If you have a lefty, you want the right tackle to be your best, typically. But th- this is an exciting group. And uh, are they going to be as good as last year? No. But can they be good to very good? I'm confident they will be. And we're going to talk to Paul Miley and ask him specifically, okay, what are you expecting to do? Have they talked to you about whether or not you're going to play center? Are you going to shift over to guard? You I want to know why both? he came here in the first place. Absolutely. Like, Utah is a playoff contending team. Like, why did he leave that situation to come down here? I'm stoked. I couldn't be yes. more excited. Yes. Strictly from a star standpoint, if I just said, Okay, Suomataia, Pei, Maile. That feels like a five-star and two four-stars, and they have experience. All of That's them great. have experience. That's great. That anchors the offensive line. So I'm feeling pretty good about it. If I'm Keaton Slovis, I'm super happy. Absolutely. And maybe he knows uh, Paul from his time in the uh, Pac-12, right? So we'll see. Okay, topic two. Now that we have Paul Maile in here on this January 18th, of the year of our Lord, 2023, which offensive position group are you most confident in right now? I had to think a while about this because I feel like there are wild cards in each position group. We just went through the offensive line. Like, that's pretty pretty solid, but there are still, still some question marks, yeah, right? Yeah. So there's 
certainly a core of experience there, around three or four positions, but there's some openings there. And the running backs position, we think we know what the A-train Aiden Robbins is going to be, right? We, we think. And we feel pretty good about Keaton Slovis, but again, it's all like all these new pieces for the transfer portal got to come together. The one position group that I feel like the core is, has been here and is still here are the pass catchers. So I'm most confident in this moment, January 18th, in the wide receivers. And let's throw in Isaac Rex as a pass catcher at tight end as well. Uh, you've got, I mean, you've got proven commodities that have been in the offense with Aaron Roderick. So just based on experience alone, and Cody Epps and, and Keanu Hill and Isaac Rex, I mean, it, Chase Roberts, all those names made big plays, made big catches, have had big moments in big games. And so I feel most confident in, in that group. The question there is, what are you going to do about depth? Like, what is BYU going to add to help bolster the depth of that wide receiver and that pass catching group? Because they need something there. If one of those guys goes down, now we're kind of scratching our heads like, oh, no, who, who steps up? That's where Braden Cosper leaving hurts. Yeah, and ah. And I understand he's, I mean, he's been through a lot. He's had so many injuries. Yeah. I understand why he's I just thought he away. was starting to ascend. And so I was like, oh, sure. you're going to be one of the dudes. He had his best season last season. Yes. I thought his best season was going to be this next season. But for whatever reason, he chose yeah. to step away. I'm going with the pass catchers. The offensive line, again, we, we need a few more pieces. Quarterbacks, running back, we'll see how that all develops. They've got to learn a new offense. They've all got to gel together. For me, it's the pass catch. What yeah, about you? What it, about it's you? clearly wide receiver specifically. Um, and if you grew up in the tight ends, yeah, totally. Not to mention Jackson Bowers, the tight end. Fantastic. Like, the high, the top 300 ESPN guy. BYU does not get a lot of those. It feels like one every couple of years. Hoping BYU gets at least one every year starting in the Big 12. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, running back will be interesting because there's a few guys in the wait and see category. Like, we know what Connor Pay is. We know what Kingsley Suamati is. We know what Paul Miley is yep. at this level, right? Um, we, we believe that Aiden Robbins is going to be a baller. We hope he's uh, equal to or better than what Chris Brooks was last year and hopefully healthy the whole year. Because if Chris Brooks is healthy, he's probably a 1,000-yard guy. Yeah. Keaton Slovis is an interesting one. And, and I agree with you, I'll, but let's talk about quarterbacks for a sec. Keaton Slovis, 2019 version at BYU, would be pretty stinking good. Now, it's been a minute, but he finally gets a more-than-capable offensive coordinator. We love the way Aaron Roderick has run the offense. BYU's been pretty good the last couple years, producing NFL uh, draft picks and back-to-back quarterbacks. Like, if I'm Keaton, yeah, that's why I came here, because John Beck says, go there. Yeah. Look at what A-Rod has done with these guys. And he's throwing to proven commodities. Yes. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Cougar Whip Round presented by Marisk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. Spender, Fox Sports tweeted out a graphic with schools with an AP first team all-pro NFL player. Fred Warner, of course, gets the stretch Y on there. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Also Rutgers, weird. South Alabama, congratulations. What's your reaction to BYU in this group? Uh, not shocked at all, Jerem, because Fred Warner has been there for a while. You know, it's 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 always Second nice. Time for him. It's always nice to see BYU on a list like this, and and I expect BYU to be on this list for a while because Fred's kind of at the peak of his powers, right? He's in his prime. Can we show the graphic one more time? Look at uh, some of the schools in the uh, top uh, line there. Uh, you got Georgia and Alabama. 
That's kind of fun, right? Notre Dame and LSU and Ohio State stick out. Oklahoma. Yeah. So, uh, Florida. Yeah. It's is, great to have BYU great. represented. It's awesome. Congrats to Fred, who, I'll say it again, is clearly the best defensive player in the NFL in BYU history. Yeah, kind of a BYU's shock. BYU's not had an all-pro NFL player from BYU before, and he's done it twice. It's, fa- that's it's fantastic. And that's saying a lot. Leon White, Kurt Govea, Jason Buck, all these guys, they've been pretty awesome. Does he have BYU's best shot? to get a Super Bowl championship this year? Or is it Andy Reid? If Brock Purdy plays well, Niners' path is easier yeah. than Andy Reid's in the FC. Love to see Fred get a Super Bowl ring. That'd be fun. A.J. Stewart, former BYU running backs coach, becomes the third former BYU Cougar coach to land on Baylor's coaching staff. Well, yes, well, well. Jeff Grimes and Eric Mateos. And that's on top of the Barrington brother transfers over to the offensive line. Five dudes. Does this feed that much more into a possible rivalry with Baylor. One million percent, yeah. bro. Um, the, we played two games two years in a row already. I really hope Baylor's on the schedule this next year. Um, three coaches, two players like you mentioned. Same league uh, this year. Both Christian schools, Bears and Cook. Yes! It, it's not like TCU because we played in the same league. Like, the team that you're kind of like, mm, are you the St. Mary's? And yeah. Like, it feels like Baylor a little bit, although it's friendly. Um, I wouldn't say there's vitriol, but you just wait. There will be moments with several teams in the Big 12 where you go, oh, we have like five St. Mary's now. Yes. Well, and there were already people last year when Baylor came back to Provo, they're like, I want to beat Grimes for what he did to us in Waco. And they said it like really weird. It's already formulating. And let's not forget our friend Caleb Lohner who transferred from BYU to Baylor in men's basketball and seemingly is having a great career over there now. Shaylee Gonzalez having a great year at Texas. So you want Texas in the Merritt Center. A little little, fun there. Texas and Baylor feel like the early favorites as rivals in the Big 12. And we can compete. Like, sports are awesome. You compete. You get after it. And then you hug it out after. You know, it's all good. Okay, Uniform Authority gave BYU the number one best blackout uniform in the nation. Was this BYU's best jersey last season? Not the best jersey, the best helmet. You love the helmet. But not the best jersey. I am still partial to the royal blue helmet, the white jersey, and the royal blue pants. That is my favorite combo. combo. It looks fantastic. BYU wore it against USC and won a couple of years ago. They won it against Stanford and won their regular season finale this year. I love the royal blue helmet, and it's shiny now with the white jersey and the royal blue pants. I like the royal out, which BYU wore against Baylor, by the way, okay. this year. I, I think that looks pretty slick, too, though. I am a, a sucker for the white helmet. I think it's the best okay. helmet that BYU has. The white helmet the is classic, right? Yeah, tradition. Yeah, just Wilson and Young, and they all wore the white helmet. Hey, I- Aside from the game at Liberty, BYU had the white helmet, the white jersey, and the blue pants. Also a very clean look. Wasn't a great result that day, but I love that I, look. I don't attach looks of jerseys to results. There's no <laughs> correlation there for me. I know the white They're out for a long time fans were like, no, the white out, we live. They're cursed. Come on. Wear it against a FCS opponent. Let's see what yes. Come on. How about this? The Pac-12 will release their 2023 schedule today. <laughs> Is that an early win for the Pac-12 over the Big 12? I don't care. Uh, we'll get the schedule in the next couple weeks or months, whatever. It's okay. It's late January. They, who cares about those wins? Although the Pac-12 <laughs> this year was really, really good. They were, they were fantastic. We're just excited because it's BYU's first year. Yeah. Are all the other we're Big 12 teams like, give me the schedule now? 
I don't think they're as feeling as much urgency as the new oh, teams no. are. We're new at the party. Yes. We're stoked to be I there. I want to know. We're, we're walking in the door. We're a little too loud. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's, We showed up 30 minutes early with our, you know, macaroni like, guys, salad. Party. We brought macaroni salad. <laughs> Can we come in? At BYU, yes, we would. <laughs> like, you guys don't like mac salad? This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. We are pleased to welcome in the now newest member of the BYU football team. He is Eddie Heckard, an All-American defensive back transferring from Weber State now to play one more year at BYU. Eddie, welcome to BYU Sports Nation. Up, Eddie? Thank you for having me. Um, I'm excited to be here and be a part of this university. Hey, that smile is yeah. contagious. Yeah. BYU fans are stoked. Uh, just from a social media standpoint, what was uh, your life like over the last uh, day or so when that announcement came out and the social media love that's pouring in? Yeah, I mean, I like it. It's overwhelming, though. Like, um, <laughs> the fan, a lot of fans are following me. I, I just getting a lot of likes and retweets on everything. Something that, um, I mean, Weaver doesn't have a big fan base like BYU, but, I mean... I'm gonna like this. I'm gonna like it during the season, seeing all those fans in the stadium. Absolutely, it's gonna be awesome. And and honestly, Weber State fans are super passionate. They've enjoyed some real success with Jay Hill, with yourself, because yeah. you've had a, a a journey here with six years at Weber State, right? And now right. a seventh college season, red shirt and medical red shirt and COVID and whatnot. And and I just feel like BYU's benefited from the awesomeness that has been Weber State the last couple of years. What are you most proud of from the Big Sky titles and the NCAA tournaments? Uh, and, and everything that you guys accomplished that you hope to kind of bring down here with Jay Hill, with Fessy, who was there a couple years ago? Um, just like that winning culture. Um, I mean, of, of course, BYU always won as well, but um, I just feel like since we've, uh, me, Jay Hill, and Fessy, we all won championships together. Um, winning is contagious, like, and it's it can become a habit, like, just like losing can, so... The fact that we was winning and like it's something that it's a culture thing as well and all the coaches here have some ties together so it's like they know each other's culture and that's why I feel like even all of the whole state of Utah football is successful and like good it's not like no terrible teams in yep. Utah. So. Yep. In 2021, it was uh, the state with the most top 25 teams finished. And yeah, because Utah State had a great year. BYU had a great year. Of course, yeah. Utah had a great year. And, and then you look at the coaching staff and you mention it. Almost everybody has some connection to an FCS school. Right. It's not like they're just, uh, you know, hoity-toity, we're all power five guys here. No, this is Kalani spent time at uh, Southern Utah. Right. right? And in uh, Eastern Arizona and whatnot. So that, that matters. What do you feel like you're bringing to BYU uh, in terms of not only talent, but like you said, the culture to, as BYU embarks on the the Big 12 for the first time? Um, I think I bring just like an, another member of, of the family. I feel like I could tell just by seeing the players, even though I don't know them too well, like I could fit in with them and it's like not too many like people I feel like I um, I had to search for just from being in at Weber State with um, players that's played with these other players. Like, yeah. I hear about people going to Long Peak, and I had teammates that went to Long Peak, and 
just from my freshman years, like, and a lot of Utah high school players stay in Utah, so I've always heard about some of these players mm -hmm. as well. Uh, I think I just can fit in the culture and not not be too much of a difference. Um, <laughs> yeah. Our arms are wide open. And being a Vegas kid, like, hey, you're not too far away. Right. Vegas kids on the team as well. You mentioned before the interview, you know Miles Davis. Uh, right, a little yeah. Bit already yeah, me and Miles worked out together. Nice. Been, awesome. Been, I hosted him on his visit to Weber State. So, oh, there you yeah. go. Okay. Right. Did he host you on a visit here? Or? Nah. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. Nah. Come on, Miles. Come on, Miles. Come on, baby. Oh, <laughs> uh, we kid. Eddie Heckard is with us on BYU Sports Nation. All-American defensive back coming from Weber State to BYU. You have NFL aspirations, and rightly so. You have played some elite-level football. Why push pause on that for now and choose BYU over jumping into the NFL game? Um, I just felt like I needed to complete my last year of um, eligibility. I was going to leave one on the table, and down the line, I didn't want to regret it, have any regrets as far as I should have played that last year. Then there was also Coach Hill that helped it like even more just because it was like perfect timing where I felt like I wanted to go to the NFL, and then now I'm coming to Power 5 school with a coach that recruited me yeah. and it's up my draft stock. and put some more like, you know, guaranteed money in my pocket if I'm a draft pick instead of a free agent. Sure. Or like if I get the chance. So that's why it wasn't a hard decision, but it was for a long, like, it wasn't a hard decision knowing where I was going to go as far as BYU or wherever, but it's a hard decision like coming back to college for sure. a little bit. Sure, sure. Yeah. You must really like Jay then. Yeah. And most people do it. <laughs> and then you knew, you knew Fessy as well, it sounds like. Right, State. yeah. What was the relationship there? Um, so Fessy was the first coach I've seen at Weber State, like when I got recruited. Out of high school? Yeah, out of, out of high school. I remember to this day, like talking to him in my counselor's office and yeah, it was just <laughs> That's like. a long relationship. Yeah, and it was my only offer. So it was like, uh, I know they showing me love. He loved so you first. Now, yeah. I, like I always remember that. And, Always got love for Fessy. Absolutely. You know, I, Everybody loves Fessy, too. Yeah. yeah. Super cool. When did the prospect of joining BYU football, like, become a real possibility for you? Like, how, how, how many weeks ago are we talking? Like, when, when did this, the conversation really start? Um, I would say, so. I mean, I don't know the exact dates or when I chose to declare for the draft. Like, after I made that post, I would say like a week or a week or two after that is when I like kind of found out that I was oh I kind of knew that I wasn't going to uh, pursue it all the way because of what scouts were telling me and agents. So I would say that's when I okay. thought like okay maybe I should hop in the portal and see like what Power Five offers I could get. Okay. What do you need yeah. to do to get into that space? Yeah. What was the feedback you got? Um, the feedback from scouts and mm -hmm. well they were just telling me some scouts are telling me like i mean playing at the fcs level um it's hard to draft a five nine corner from the fcs um you think you should use your last year and um go play power five football and show like they believe they said they believe i could play but it's just hard to pitched that to the head coach and the owners or something like that. Mm -hmm. So it was that. Um, 
that's really what it was and the agents and that made it hard for like agents yeah. to um gotcha. invest in me a little more film where I train. at this level yeah gotcha okay so we learned from another transfer paul miley who's mm -hmm. a center from the university of utah that he's like i was in the transfer portal for like two minutes and then kalani satake called me mm, <laughs> okay yeah. so is this a similar scenario where like you hop in the transfer portal and jay's like hey what's up no nah, i had talk. to end up telling him oh, um, okay yeah so um i know what he i know what um miley is talking about though as far as soon as you get in it's like right now like i got in and 20 minutes later I was posted on this page, Transfer Portal, and then now it's all these schools following me. And it was just, it was different. That, that Transfer Portal was different. What's it like? Are you talking like DMs, texts, phone calls, emails? Uh, no, no phone calls, because I didn't have my number on there anywhere, but um, DMs, it's like notifications, like DMs, message requests, uh, Instagram, from Instagram and Twitter, and it's like just, a lot of it was a lot you loving that or is that annoying is it do uh, not disturb I, or you take it off i, I liked it at first because yeah. i wasn't recruited heavy out of high school right and then i got annoying knowing like <laughs> you know some schools that you knew you i wasn't i, I wasn't gonna go to like i might as well stay at weaver like i'm sure. good so and so yeah, yeah, yeah. but yeah. they they had to recruit me so i respected it like yeah. of course you go send your shot yep uh, Eddie, it takes a unique personality and mindset to be a defensive back. Like right. I, I have always admired the swagger and the confidence that defensive backs have because a lot of times, in a lot of cases, you feel like you're the lone man out on the island. Mm -hmm. So why do you feel like, like what, what makes you want to play that position, and specifically at BYU, going into the Big 12 where you know you're going to face some elite-level receivers? Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm always up for a challenge. Um, I've been playing it my whole life uh it's not it's not easy and that's what makes it fun like knowing when when you're successful at it when you like get an all-american title or been all conference like it it like makes the work you put in to get there even more enjoyable and like makes you want to train even more and harder so now going into the big 12 i i feel like a freshman again um you know, it's time to work again. I don't know, like, what I'm going to face. Like, I haven't actually played these players. I see them, but it's different when you're actually in front of them playing them. So it's all going to be new. And I'm excited, though. Like, and I, I know I'm up for the challenge, and I can, I can be something special in the Big 12. Let's go. We're excited. I'm excited, the, yeah. The first seventh-year freshman in NCAA history, which is very exciting. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> The mentality just, wise, yeah. No, it's going to be yeah. awesome. And and uh, I look forward to telling your story. I know you have a, a really tough upbringing. Yeah. Um, and and we'll dive into that more as we uh, get to know you better. But yeah. th thanks for coming in the studio, man. Oh, nice uh, thank you. you. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Dude, we're stoked to have Welcome you. Welcome to BYU. Yep. Yeah. Great to I'm have you, Eddie. Glad to be here. Thank Let's you. Let's go. Thanks. Eddie Heckard on BYU Sports Nation. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Let's head over to the Marriott Center to talk with the homies, Spencer Linton, Kristen Kozlowski, ahead of the Shrill Fest in front of 9,000 kids coming up. <laughs> Guys, 
You have natural earplugs, so you should be good, <laughs> yes. right? Yes. They're One not cannot strong. adequately prepare for even <laughs> 5,000, let alone 9,000 invited children. They are expecting about eight of those 9,000 that were invited to show up. So we're going to hit new decibel levels in the Marriott Center today. I don't think these are strong enough, really. <laughs> How different is it for, a, for broadcasters? And we've all had a taste of, of this in this setting. Uh, for you guys, because there's, there's highs and lows when shots are made. Uh, but in a, on a day like this, there's just highs the whole time. Yes. Even during timeouts. Well, I think Molly Gudenbauer said it to us on the phone last night. She's like, they don't really know at this point what's good and what's bad. They just yell the whole time. Scream. <laughs> just scream. It's this level the entire time. So it's it's not like exactly a BYU home court advantage. It's just loud all of the time <laughs> for both teams. Um, but the coaches like it. I think the players like the energy that the kids bring in, and it definitely is a, a unique factor. And BYU is going to do this with gymnastics coming up on March 1st as well. I'm not sure the balance beam – performers are going Just to scream. like the shrill constant <laughs> as they're up on the beam. But today, yeah, a basketball arena, this is the place where you can do this with, the, with a bunch of kids, and we expect the energy to be high the whole time. Well, Kristen, one thing that it does is it gives a platform uh, for women's basketball. Uh, there are a lot of girls in the stands today watching competitive Division I women's basketball in a setting that is cool and fun and, uh, and may inspire future ballplayers. Yeah, absolutely. I think some of these young players that get to watch and kind of get a little more up close and personal as they're sitting on that third or fourth row, and um, it's unique for them because now they can kind of bond and go, oh, I really like that player. Oh, wow, she's special. She's doing stuff that I want to try and mimic. Um, and so forming that connection, even with some of the older fans, the teachers that are coming or, or just regular fans, that's where that connection is important in women's basketball so that they continue to return. BYU's got to show up, though. they got to play. they got to give them something they want to come back and watch. And it's a big game that way because San Francisco, while they do have a losing record in league, 13-6 and six overall. Uh, we'll talk about Joanna Cremili in a second. But, Spence, BYU is on the six-game win streak. Uh, what have you seen that's changed during this and uh, that will factor into today's big game? Well, I think the phrase that comes to mind is what all of the opposing coaches are saying is, Amber Whiting is figuring out how to utilize her players. She's finding specific roles for them, and it all of a sudden has just clicked. So I don't know if it's been one specific thing per se. It's just a matter of understanding your specific roles within the system that Amber Whiting wants to run. And naturally, that's going to happen the more games that you play. So BYU is starting to, yes, figure some things out. Positions are clicking. The starting five has adjusted a few times, but I think they found the constant lineup that they like the bench production and bench sparks that, that they want on the BYU side, and, and that matters. And you said it, Jeremy, it's a big game. BYU's won six in a row after dropping the first two conference games at Portland and at Gonzaga, not in that order. But still, that Northwest road trip to begin conference play for a young team, brutal. This is an entirely different BYU team. And Kristen and I both feel like, hey, you just win the games you're supposed to win. Now BYU gets Portland and Gonzaga at home later in the season here in the Marriott Center, and you never know. I mean, we were wondering if BYU is going to finish in the top half of the conference. Now we're thinking, could this team maybe finish in the top three, maybe even the top two? Give themselves a shot, right? And, and Lee Kamar told us as we talked to him, he said, this is a separation week for us. This is a week we're sitting at five and two right there at third place where we can rise above the middle of the pack, right, and keep ourselves more elite with Gonzaga and Portland, give ourselves a chance. Like Spencer's saying, give yourself a chance. They're riding some confidence. Continue to win. 
keep that momentum going into some big games on the road and then returning here with Portland and Gonzaga. Well, Kristen, you and I called a game earlier in the season. I think Spencer was on a beach somewhere. <laughs> yeah. um, yes. In that game, Nani Falatea was 2 of 15 and they lost. Uh, her game has gone the way BYU's record has gone in, in recent weeks. How important is she today, Saturday, and the rest of the way? Uh, she's huge for this team. Obviously, she's the distributor. She's the extra extension of the coach out there on the floor. And Nani Falate is one of my favorite players on this BYU team. She's had some bumps along the way. Where she's really had to grow and learn. She's just a sophomore. And she's stepping into a huge role where she has to command this team and get them in the right spot, facilitate the offense, and do so much for this team. She's a fantastic rebounding guard as well. But just a smooth player for this team. Comes off that pick and roll, that high pick and roll makes great decisions with the ball in her hands. I think we see a lot of those turnovers come for her where she's trying to rush it or maybe they're not quite in the right spot where she's trying to feed them that bounce pass inside. But she's so crucial to what they're doing and riding this sixth frame win streak, it's not just Lauren Gusson. Everybody knows what Lauren Gusson is gonna do, but you gotta have Nani Folatea step up, be in double figures, and maybe one more as well for this BYU team. Let's talk about Lauren for a sec. Uh, Spencer, are we to the point where we expect 20 rebounds? In a weird way, yes. And, and you know what? We were joking about it on BYU Sports Station a few days ago. We, we, we might look up at the scoreboard and say, oh, she's got 16 points and 15 rebounds. Meh. Like, <laughs> <laughs> what? There's what no happened? way I'm what? doing that. What? What is 20? It's the craziest thing. We are so spoiled yeah. to watch this type of play at BYU from that position. And at her size, we constantly say, well, she plays bigger than she is. She does. She's the constant motor. And do not take it for granted. I don't want anybody to get to that mindset where we're like, yeah, yeah, 16 hey. and 16, whatever. No, because we have seen her do special things. It's kind of like when Jimmer Fredette would go for 26 points and eight assists, and it's like, okay, next. Another game. It's, <laughs> it's crazy the level that she's playing at and making it so regular so that we just kind of expect that. And it's hard not to take it for granted, but we're going to do our best not to do that. Don't be surprised to see her, especially in this matchup today. And, and I don't know if Kristen agrees with me here, but. San Francisco's missing a key post player in Deb Dos Santos, and uh, they know that Lauren's going to get her points and her rebounds. This, this could be another 16 points, 20-plus rebounds type of day right. for Lauren. That's seven rebounds a game gone right there. Yeah. Hey, Kristen, the last home game, she had 24, speaking of Gustin, one more than the entire San Diego team. Yes. Which tied a Marriott Center record with Tina Gunn. And you got to go back to the late 70s for, for Tina Gunn. Is Lauren Gustin now in the Tina Gunn conversation as among the greatest rebounders in program history? Absolutely. Absolutely up there. And she's a lead. And like Spencer says, we're so spoiled. Look, I never pulled those numbers. So I never take it for granted because I know how difficult it is to go out there and do it and keep up those elite numbers day in and day out. On that six-win stretch for BYU where they've won six straight. She's averaging 21.5 rebounds per game. I mean, come on. That's, come on now. That's insane. It doesn't matter what level you're playing at. And she's playing at a high D1 level right now against some good teams. Yes, they played Pacific and they played some teams lower in the conference. But to keep that up when you know she's at the top of the scouting report, they're going to put one or two players on her and try to box her out. That's their sole job. She's still pulling those numbers. It's incredible. Hey, when you're being compared to a player whose jersey is in the rafters, that's, that's always good. Yeah. That's pretty good. That's always yeah. good. I want to talk about three-point shooting, guys. BYU 19th in the country, nearly 37%. Um, what factor will that play today and the rest of the year? I think that is the key for BYU today. And, again, going back to uh, Coach Grudenbauer on the USF side said, she's like, look, Lauren's going to get hers. 
we got to defend BYU's guards and specifically the three-point line because if Gustin's going to get her averages and the guards score, then BYU's going to win this game by 15 or 20 points. It, it comes down to USF's ability or inability to guard the perimeter and limit Nani Falatea and Ariel Mackey-Williams and Kaylee Smiler. And there are so many good shooters on the perimeter that have great potential for this BYU team. So I, I feel like that is the, the key factor here today is USF's ability or inability to defend the perimeter shooting from BYU because Lauren Gustin is going to go and get her 15 points and 18 rebounds or whatever. If USF... 18, that's it? I know, <laughs> wow. man. If USF defends the three-point line well, then they absolutely will be in this game and have a chance to get back to 500 in league play. And I mentioned it earlier, this Don's team, they lost Deb Dos Santos to go along with Ioana Cremili. And that's been a huge, huge thorn in the side for them. They've had to kind of reinvent themselves after losing their best post players. So, yeah, the challenge is out. Defend the guard line. Maybe USF sneaks out of here with a win. And you want a Cremili top scorer in the WCC at 18 a game. Kristen, what does BYU need to do to uh, limit her? Know where she's at all over the court. She has an ultra green light with Molly Goodenbauer. <laughs> of San I'm talking anywhere on when the court. When Spence plays pickup, that's oh the same gosh. thing. You got to know where this player's at. And she has had some big games against BYU. She's coming off games last week where she had 30 points against Pacific, followed that up with 29 points against St. Mary's. She put up a career-high 27 shot attempts. So high-volume shooter. Molly knows that. She's going to ride that out because she is a clutch player, and she can score in multiple ways. She's a spot-up. She'll come off a lot of screen, a lot of handoffs, gets to the free throw line. Very, very smart as a junior, and, and this is a player that's kind of been a thorn in the side for BYU for a few years. They're familiar with Cremili and what she can do. Now she's taken on more of the load with DeSantos out, and, and like Spencer said, they've had to revamp their offense, kind of go back to what they did last year where they're running more offensive sets, more screen sets to get her shots versus DeSantos was kind of that muscle inside where she could have battled inside with Gustin. So it'll be really interesting with that perimeter matchup. And I imagine, and what I've been told, Kaylee Smiler will uh, get that first defensive assignment on Cremili. Okay, Kaylee Smiler uh, getting the defensive uh, job there. Today's well, game should be sponsored by Tylenol. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yes, yeah, yes, it should. Which is sold out everywhere in children's town. That's right, tough to know. get, tough to get today. Like, like cheap eggs as yeah. well. Uh, have a great call, and uh, thanks for the time. Good luck. Hey, you Thank got you. it. Thank you both. The best of BYU Sports Nation. We'll be right back. Rise and shout for the trending topics of the week here on the best of BYU Sports Nation. All rise and shout. It's time for what's trending. And we talk about men's hoops, who's embarking on a three-game stretch uh, that includes Santa Clara tonight on the road, San Francisco on the road Saturday, and then no game next Thursday, St. Mary's at home next Saturday. The Cougars have goals in Vegas and in the postseason, Dave. So how many of these next three does BYU need to win? First of all, we apologize to fans on the East Coast. That's 11 o'clock. It gets better say, next year. We can't say there won't be late games next year in the Big 12, but doubtful that there'll be 11 p.m. Yeah. or very many of them. So hang in there for this last batch of WCC games. I think they need to win two of the next three. I agree. And their best chances Saturday and next Saturday, perhaps. I think they get St. Mary's here after the Gonzaga experience and, and what they learned about themselves. Mm. Tonight, if they can win at Santa Clara... I'll be pleasantly surprised. I think that's a tough, tough one 
tonight. And remember, these schools get BYU in their gyms for the last time. It means something to them. It means something to the team, to the coaches, and to the players. So the folks in Santa Clara, however few will actually attend the game because <laughs> the arena is so small, they'll be jacked up. I agree that it's two. Um, and what are we talking about? Need for what? Need for what? I think third place in the league is what BYU is aiming for. Gonzaga and St. Mary's are clearly the top two teams. I don't see any way that those aren't the top two teams going into Vegas. So you're playing for third, which isn't a bad spot. Again, this group needs to climb into the NIT. Um, and they need to go at least 5-5 five and five in the last 10. Ken Palm projects 5-5 five and five in the last 10. The hope is that BYU can walk into Vegas 19-12, and 12, at least get one win in there, perhaps in a uh, quarterfinal, and then you get into the semifinal and you've got an opportunity to ensure at least the NIT, if not some crazy tournament run that we haven't seen the likes of since 2001. But um, you need to probably win two of three, in the next couple weeks, and then you get to six and three, and you're feeling pretty good yeah. coming back down the last seven. To me, Santa Clara is the biggest threat at third place, so if you could somehow pull off tonight, you're in a good spot. But like you said, if you can still beat San Francisco on Saturday, who's really struggled despite being a good team. I look at San Francisco, I've watched a couple games, and I go, why is this team one in five in league? Right. Like, yes, they played Gonzaga and St. Mary's, took Gonzaga to the brink like BYU, gave up a shot with seven seconds left. Cougars can empathize. But you look at this three-game stretch, uh, it's the only three-game stretch in Ken Palm where there's three games in a row that are A or B games, according to him. Even the Bahamas were all B. There's an A game in St. Mary's, but tonight and Saturday are B games. So it's a really important stretch here. Six of the final ten are A, and a or B. You go boom, 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 and then three of the final seven. So you have four there that are not. Get some wins. Put yourself into a uh, number three or four seed in the tourney get a win there, and now you get to the NIT, and it's like, okay, that season at one point when BYU lose to South Dakota and UVU didn't go that way, it went up, and you have to at least make the NIT at this point. I'd like to think Mark Pope checked the bags of all the players to make sure they were packing defense. They do play defense. This team no does. No matter what game, and yep. that gives them a chance. Yep. It's going to give them a chance tonight, and they could win tonight's game. They could also win Saturday. Defense is going to be their thing. I don't know if they'll show up and overwhelm anybody with offense, although against San Diego on the road, they came out shooting and, and shooting well. But it was that nine-minute stretch early. defensively that yeah. I think won the game for them. Defense keeps yeah. them in the game, gives them a chance, and then the more they win, then the better their confidence is. And so Spokane with Gonzaga on February 11th, that's a possibility by the nature of how they played them uh, two weeks ago or last week or whenever it was, uh, as long as they keep progressing. They it's been a long defense. week, Dave. It has been a long week. <laughs> They play defense, and then, and then the offense yeah. grows with confidence, and we've seen uh, Atiki's development. We've seen Foose getting better and better and better. So, yeah, pack your defense tonight. you got a shot. Yes. And if you win tonight, you take a boatload of confidence into Saturday instead of a boatload of hope, and there's a big difference. Yes, and, and listen, we've always relied here at this school on offense. <laughs> this BYU team is one of the best defensive teams that BYU's had in a long, long time. They are 29th in defensive efficiency. That means how many points per game, uh, per 100 possessions you get. And they up. rebound. They rebound really well, which is almost shocking given that you have two post players on this team. Foos has been great. Other guys hit the glass. It's been awesome. Brandon Pajimski is one of the most underrated players in the league. You're going to see him tonight. 18 points, eight rebounds a game for a 6'5 guard who averaged one point a game at Illinois. He is going to be a problem. But I bet Gideon George or Jackson Robinson Gets the first assignment, perhaps Spencer Johnson, capable defenders on the wing to try and 
limit him scoring. Um, Keyshawn Justice is still there, yep. which is one of the best names in college basketball. Santa Clara, that place has given BYU some trouble. They have five losses historically in that gym. I think you've you've been there for a couple of these that and last were tough, right? Last Gotta year's show was up. the unraveling. Yes. Where the season got off the rails was yes. at Santa Clara, especially the way that game ended. So they have a chance to go back and, and fix that. And this, this Santa Clara team last year and this year is not the typical Santa Clara team that might be like the 6-10 to 10 seed. They had a lottery pick last year in Jalen Williams, who's playing with the Thunder and having a really nice rookie year. Now they have Pajimski. They have more talent. They're gathering Herb Sendex, a good coach. We've seen what he's done at other places like Arizona State and NC State and whatnot. So Bureau's really got to show up tonight. And you make an interesting point about the next three games. The most you feel the most uh, or the least likely win would be tonight, not St. Mary's at home next Saturday, because home court. Because of a home court, because of what they experienced against Gonzaga, uh, if you learn from things, then and then then you get better, uh, and there'd be a two-week difference between the two games. Mm-hmm. I think and the bye right and, and St. Mary's might win the league. Let's be honest; they might actually win the league. You think they'd win over depending Gonzaga? Depending on how they, you know, right now I think their net's better than Gonzaga. Um, and so we're going to see those games both in February. So, so yeah, I'm not, I'm not saying A. St. Mary's isn't that good and BYU's going to beat them. I think BYU can home. beat them at home having learned what they're learning so long as they're, they're progressing. And, and tonight is a, is a serious test. Pepperdine was a good test. Pepperdine is strange that, strange that that lineup hasn't won a game in the league. I know, they're weird. They're 0-5 going and, into tonight. And the fact that they kept pushing, pushing, and BYU kept pushing back that lead from 10 to 2 to 10 to 3 yeah. was a good sign of a young team, speaking of BYU, of not just crumbling two days after, you know, a, a t- complete meltdown. Absolutely could have yeah. and didn't, which was good against a uh, young Pepperdine team. I think in a year or two, look out for Pepperdine. They could be kind of that Santa Clara pressing Absolutely. for the three or four seed. And Portland's with good, B- too. This well, is a good time to get out of the league. Well, and, and let's be honest, <laughs> we're not going to care in a couple no, months. No, we are not going to care. <laughs> we're not going to watch 11 o'clock cool. games. Cool. Pepperdine, either. good job. Uh, topic two today is interesting. Did you did you hear the door shut? The transfer portal has closed. It's a mythical, magical so thing. That if portal. you're checking your Twitter today, there there won't be any new announcements of of guys deciding today they're going to go. They're now going to have to wait till after spring ball. Maybe when the they portal told, opens up again. Maybe they told their coach and then they didn't announce. Who knows? But yeah, it's it's closed. So how did BYU do? They went shopping for yeah. some needs, and they they lost some guys but they gained some guys that are really going to help next year. Yeah, I, I think BYU did pretty well. Um, and, and if you had told me, hey, BYU's going to get a guy of the caliber of Keaton Slovis and Aiden Robbins and Isaiah Bagna from Boise State, I'd go, okay then. Um, let's look at who went out and who came in and let's assess. So transferred out notable guys, Clark Barrington uh, and Campbell Barrington. Those ones really hurt. Clark Barrington's one of the best transfers that was on the market, like top 10 player. Um, Keenan Pila goes to Tennessee this morning. Gabe Judy Lally commits to Tennessee. Uh, Conover over to Arizona State, right? Logan Fano uh, to Utah, that one hurts. That one was great. Never played here, but great potential. Yes, um, was excited about that one. You, you lose uh, a Romney. Um, always tough to lose a Kafusi to Utah, a Romney, you know what I mean? So those were tough. The guys that BYU got in there that are going to start and have an impact. Keaton Slovis from Pitt at quarterback, of course. Aiden Robbins from UNLV with running back. Isaiah Bagna, edge rusher from Boise State. Jackson Cravens um, from Boise State. Cam Miller, really high on him from College Football Network earlier this week. Paul Miley, the starting center on the Rose Bowl team for the Utes, has decided to come south. And then we'll see on a couple of other guys what kind of impact they could have. Ian Fitzgerald out of Missouri State, Waylon Lapuahu out of uh, Utah State, Wyatt Daw out of Southern Utah. Um, yeah, is it net gain or loss? It's, it's barely 
um, you know, it, it's barely negative or barely positive. I, I think it's, it's pretty similar that way. The Barringtons do hurt, but I am encouraged by some of these guys that BYU's gotten. And it's not over. Um, there can still be guys that after spring ball decide to come and have an impact. And what BYU has built itself on isn't crushing the recruiting rankings, per se, in December or February. It's been in transfers, notable ones, Puka, Samson, and so on, that have come in and made a huge impact. And more importantly, development of the current guys, of the guys who come in. Great stories that we've highlighted over time, but Tyler Algier goes from no stars to 1,000 yards in the NFL. BYU's done an excellent job of getting a Zach Wilson, a three-star kid from Draper, to the number two pick. Jaron Hall waited like seven years to be the guy. He had a heck of a career here at BYU as a three-star. So I'm, I'm excited about some of the names we're not talking about as well in the transfer portal who have been backups, who are ready to become the next Ben Bywater kind of guys. I don't think BYU lost anybody in the portal that isn't replaceable. Uh, Clark Barrington, we love Clark. But we all thought he was going to go into the NFL because of his age and that. So the fact that he decided at the last minute to go somewhere else and keep playing, that was a loss, but they were expecting to lose him. It'd just uh, be a bummer to play them and be like, oh, yeah, you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> unless, unless we're... When the schedule comes out in August. Unless we're sacking their quarterback. It's like, hey, Clark. True. Um, but what they got were starters uh, that, that, that are going to help them. It's like they went to the grocery store and they had a list. And like when I go to the grocery store, I have a list and I buy all this stuff I didn't need. Uh, you get home, you go, well, did you at least get the milk? But, but these guys... You got to have it delivered. They, they, went to the, <laughs> they went to the store and they yep. go, I need a quarterback. I need a running back. Um, boom, boom. We need, we need defensive line help. We got a defensive line coach, a defensive-minded defensive coordinator. Though of course, that's, that's, that's a, a play on words, but Jay Hill is mm -hmm. all about attacking. Yep. Uh, and where does he say that the attack starts? The defensive line. Yes. So they went shopping for those guys, and 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 they got they got what they went for. And they, I don't think they picked up anybody that wasn't on their list. And when you're shopping in the portal with limited spots to play on a talented roster to begin with, you know you don't need the licorice and the ding dongs and the chips and the whatever. You just come to get what you need, uh, what, what's on the list. And I think they did that. Now the next portal opening after spring ball, when everyone gets to assess where they are on everybody's depth charts, that's going to be interesting. When the Stargate opens again uh, after, after spring ball. If Thanos comes through. Yes, then we're all screwed. Um, but Paul Miley um, was one that I don't think BYU was like, oh, we need another guy here. I think that was kind of a bonus, which is awesome. That was the, the, the Twinkies ding dong where you're like, oh, yeah, I do actually want that because I can't just live on like rice and beans um, alone. Um, but BYU got some, got some good players. Like there, there are P5 ready players coming in that are going to have an impact. And we are really expecting two of these to, to crush it. If they don't, BYU's going to struggle. If they do, BYU's going to be awesome in Keen Slovis and Aiden Robbins. But uh, we're pretty confident because we've seen that they can be that good. And Aaron Roderick's a really good OC. I, just his track record's been really good, especially what he's done here at BYU. So that's going to be fun. Um, and And... It's what it is. And the transfer portal, you lose some, you get some. Like, when Shaley Gonzalez went to Texas, I said, you can't just gain and never give. Like, yeah. it's just what it is. There, there are opportunities that other people want elsewhere, and that's okay. But BYU is a unique spot, and they're getting uh, unique guys that hope, hopefully will yield great results in year one in the Big 12. I thought Miley said it best in your interview yesterday. Um, he was sold on the program by the head coach. He's coming to play on the program, go to the school. 
and NIL is over here away from the school, but it, it's, certainly, it's certainly there. But the sell has to be with the program. Why do you want to be here? You can get money anywhere. And he had an opportunity to get big money a whole bunch of different places. But it came down to, I want to play for this guy. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Hear what the coaches, athletes, and experts have to say. Here's another great interview from the week on the best of BYU Sports Nation. Lauren Gustin uh, joined us earlier today, and uh, she was getting ready for practice. So she's ready to go, like in shorts, <laughs> ready to go to practice. She had such a great game yesterday. Here's my conversation with the number one rebounder in the country, Lauren Gustin. All right, Lauren, welcome to Studio B. It's the new one. Uh, it's a, a new look uh, version. Welcome. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's, it's looking nice. Can you hear okay after yesterday's game with uh, <laughs> the kids? Uh, yeah, the halftime was rough. That's when it got real loud, I feel like. <laughs> it was a record crowd, which was pretty special uh, in BYU history. Last year, uh, the Gonzaga game and now the record crowd. What was it like to play in that game yesterday? Um, yeah, I think the kids brought, you know, a lot of energy. So it was kind of fun to be able to pick up from that and uh, it was just a fun atmosphere, you know, to be able to have a bunch of fans, obviously. And um, so, I mean, kids' games are always really loud, but they're fun. What's the best part of that? And then what's the most challenging part of that? Um, I think we just have to focus. I mean, the most challenging part would be communication-wise. We have to, like, talk really loud. and Even at a home game. Yeah, and make sure we kind of relay the message. Um, and then I think it's fun just to kind of feed off their energy, um, especially those morning games. Um, it's kind of, it's a little tougher to get going, you know, just because we're not used to playing um, our games in the morning. So it's nice to have the kids uh, feed off that. And they were juiced. And what they give them is cougar <laughs> tails. And so it just goes to another level. Uh, I even took my two kids. Uh, mm -hmm. You were nice enough to talk to them after. That was really fun. Take a picture. 27 points, 19 rebounds. Um, I felt like we were going for a 30-20. <laughs> were you aware of kind of how close you were to something special in BYU history there? Um... I mean, a little bit towards the end, yeah, um, but um, during the game, I just tried to, you know, focus on just trying to get the lead up and um, get the win. But towards the end, yeah, I was, um, I was like, I'm a little, almost there, but. You're almost there. Not that a 27-19 is not special, <laughs> but uh, a 30-20, um, you know, I'm told it's, it's uh, Jackie, Jackie Bean McBride and oh. uh, it's Tina Gunn Robison um, from like the late 70s. Do you understand kind of how special it is what you're doing right now? Like, do you? Are you are you in the moment too much to not appreciate it because you're like this opponent this game or do you do you have an appreciation for what you and your team are accomplishing right now? Um, I think definitely just in the moment, just trying like for example right now I'm like let's we gotta we got Santa Clara on Saturday. Like literally you're in shorts ready to practice. Today. <laughs> yep, I got film and here shortly. So yeah, just um, I think it's I mean something about the season too is you you know game after game. So right for this one, you know we got film this morning on Santa Clara prep for them game tomorrow. So um, it's nice to be able to appreciate the wins you know the day of and whatnot. But we got to get our minds right for Santa Clara. Uh, I'll talk to you about Santa Clara in just a second, but did want to ask you about the seven-game win streak. Mm -hmm. um, Coach yesterday, Whiting, uh, on the show said, hey, it's easy to get soft because you're winning. Yeah. Um, but she said she feels like you guys are pretty focused. You're allowing 49.7 points per game right now. Like, yeah. that's a stupid number. Yeah. You're going to win every game um, if that's the kind of defense you're putting up. And I know Coach Whiting came in and said, we play defense first. You're a good defensive player. How has this team sort of embraced that to where, hey, let's turn the season around here? 
Yeah. Um, I mean, right from the start, Coach was always like, I'm a, you know, defense, defense, defense. And I think, uh, I mean, we worked really hard on it in the summer, but I think now it's starting to come together and kind of show um, in the game. So we've been prepping for it. We've been working hard on the defensive end, but I think now we can finally, you know, we're playing better, we're playing better together as a team. Our chemistry is going better. So I think defense is just finally being able to show and, you know, in, implement into our play. But we've been working on it from day one. Give me some of the X's and O's of what great defense looks and feels like from your perspective when it happens. Mm -hmm. um, I think, well, I think for starters, communication is so, so important. Um, and then one thing that I like that our coach really talks about is we all are, it's almost like we're all on a string moving together. Um, you know, if we have to have a help side, then there has to be the help, the help the helper, you know. So I think everyone just kind of being on one page and being connected is, I think, the most important thing for defense. And then, uh, like Coach always says, just being tough. Um, you know, we're going to be the more, the more aggressive and tougher team out there on the court. Yet there's offense, uh, season yeah. high 78. Um, what did it feel like to uh, get a few more buckets than you've, you guys have had this season? Yeah, I think we're really sharing the ball really well right now. Um, I mean, Nani and Ari both had, what, six assists yesterday? Uh, so I think that just comes from everyone just being unselfish and, you know, um, making the extra pass and looking for each other. Um, so I think it's, I mean, in practice this week, we had a really great practice of sharing the ball and um, I think really focusing on um, executing our plays, which I feel like we're doing better now, too. We're talking to Lauren Gustin here on BYU Sports Nation, the nation's number one leading <laughs> rebounder. There's somewhere between 5,000 and 5,500 college basketball players on the women's side. And you're the number one rebounder. What's that like? <laughs> uh, I mean, it's, it's awesome. For, I mean, it's, it's a great honor, but um, I, I just love trying to go for the boards and, and, you know, all that stuff. So I think that um, it's just – I like the aggressive side of things, so I think it's fun that it, you know, comes with being aggressive and just going after every board. Um, but, I mean, it's awesome. It's a great honor. I just – you know, want to keep winning, keep doing whatever it takes to get the win. So, when uh, did you embrace rebounding? How old were you? Mm -hmm. um, I think from a young age. Uh, just growing up, I feel like I always like just being physical. Having two older brothers, you know, um, right from the start, it was always like physical and aggressiveness. Are you the first. youngest? I'm the middle child, the middle. but um, yeah, middle child, younger sister, younger brother as well. Um, and then I think as I got older. Um, I kind of stopped growing, so I wasn't the tallest kid, you know, but I was. So you got tall quick. Yeah, I got tall quick, and then I kind of stopped growing. I was just done at 5'11", 6 foot, um, and I had always played the five growing up. So I kind of had to learn different, I feel like, strategies and advantages for that because I wasn't, you know, really the tallest anymore. Um, so I just decided, you know, I'm going to really try to bring the intensity on, you know, the rebound side of things. So offense, defense, my mindset is just I'm going to go for every single board. <laughs> Obviously, we've known about your brother Porter for a long mm -hmm. time, uh, lo local amazing uh, player that played at USC and in the NFL. Where has he uh, last been, by the way? So he's with the Dolphins right now. With the Dolphins. Mm -hmm. Awesome. And they had a great year. They mm -hmm. were tremendous. Um, and then uh, I assume your siblings, all of them are athletic. Your parents, I think, both played college basketball. Yeah. Your mom here. Yeah. What did your dad play? And my dad played football at Wyoming. And football at mm -hmm. Wyoming. Oh, I think I looked this up. I think he played one game against BYU. Back yeah, yeah. Then. Okay. Um, that sort of athletic heritage. Mm -hmm. When you were younger, was sports always a big deal? Was like getting in the weight room? Because I know you're big in yeah. the weight room. Was that always a thing that you did and that you liked, or did you have to come around to that? Um, yeah, sports for sure was always a thing. I remember um, from a young age always having, you know, my little, my, I mean, my older brother's games we were running around to, or my games, and waking up on the weekends was always getting ready for football games. And um, 
So sports was always a big part of my life, especially having parents that played college sports. Um, always pushed us in sports, which you know I'm so grateful for. Uh, as far as the weight room, I remember, I think I was like 14, uh, 15, my, my older cousin who played basketball, um, she wanted me to go live with her, and I really did not want to. I really didn't enjoy it, but my dad always wanted me to go. Um, and then it didn't happen until I was about 16 that I loved, loved the weight room. Um, it took me a little bit to kind of start liking it, but then from age 16, I felt like I was, it was definitely, became like an obsession, so. How'd you become obsessed with it? Um, I think I just started to realize just, I think I really liked the process of it and just how it like, just the whole process of how your body works when you're lifting. And uh, I was just really interested by all the science and stuff behind that. And then also just having, an older brother who was always putting in the work in the mm -hmm. weight room. Um, he was a beast. Yeah, constantly yeah. and just kind of seeing um, seeing that and him develop through that was always really um, inspiring. There was a point where uh, he may have had longer hair than you. <laughs> yeah. At USC, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah, he grew that out. <laughs> it looked good. It was it was flowing. It was picking up passes and second quarterbacks. It was great. Um, when and and when you were 16 and you you embraced the weight room. Mm -hmm. When did kind of college basketball become a reality for you? Because you've had an interesting journey here with, mm -hmm. what, Idaho and Salt Lake Community College. Yeah. And, and you played in Arizona, I think, mm -hmm. right, in high school a little bit? Yeah. Um, I think my junior year of high school, uh, that's when I moved to Arizona for that one year. I was able to play with Shaley. And, um, did you guys win state? Yes, we did, yeah. Nice. Of course yeah. you did. <laughs> uh, and I think that summer is kind of when basketball became um, a lot more intense. That's when I started playing, I think, year-round with the club and our high school workouts were um, summer lifts in the morning and then practice in the evening. So uh, it definitely became more intense then. And that's when I kind of started, you know, that's when the recruiting process kind of started up and whatnot. So definitely junior year. That's awesome. Okay, Santa Clara comes in tomorrow uh -huh. afternoon, another big game. Um, early thoughts on the Broncos in another game you're trying to extend mm -hmm. this win streak with. Yeah, um, I think every team's coming out giving us their best shot, um, regardless of their record. And Santa Clara's always, you know, a good team. They're always, um, they always push a lot in transition. So, uh, yeah, we just got to come prepared tomorrow, um, be locked in today, have a great day of practice, uh, be dialed in and film, and, yeah, hopefully um, able to continue our, our winning streak. Okay, well, best of luck with everything. It's fun to watch you play, yeah. and the team's winning and doing great. And uh, thanks for the time. Good luck in practice today. Thank you. Thanks for having me. We'll be right back with more of the best of BYU Sports Nation. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. Good Whip Round is presented by Marisk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. Interesting you go Zach Braff versus the Michael Sarah. <laughs> yeah, the Michael Sarah one is not as awesome. <laughs> All right, BYU versus SMU in the, in the Albuquerque Bowl was ranked the 90th best. We're top 90. It's all we care about. The 90th best college football game of the season. It was the only BYU game on the list. Uh, should there have been another game? Um, yeah, I think Bill Connolly should have had a, a, another game on there. I think Baylor was. Uh, I agree game. with um, you. At the time, it was awesome. Certainly, he could win and be like, "Well, neither won that games this year." Da -da -da. SMU, really? Just because of the finish? Um, Maybe. But and it probably recency bias on that one too. They're like, wait a minute, we were, we haven't been paying attention. Which what was their last game? Yeah, who played when? Yeah, uh, it should have had the Baylor game. The Baylor game should have been on there. It was. A I'm good not saying it needs to be high, but it it needs to be probably ahead be of the higher. Albuquerque Bowl. Yes, it shouldn't be higher. It was a great finish, no doubt. Trevor Nell posted this video on Instagram saying, "Was a cold welcome 
back from the team. Does this mean he's back? I, I, I don't know. I, I would love for it to mean that he's back. Um, we, we don't know. It's one of those ones where you, you can read it and you can interpret it a lot of different ways. Uh, I'm very anxious. There's actually media availability later on this afternoon for basketball. I think we're going to find out today. I think we'll know one way or the other. Reached out to, uh, you know, spokesman for the team and said, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see. It's not necessarily yes or no there, perhaps. He has been working with the scout team the last couple of weeks. He's been practicing. And maybe back just means he can practice fully. Right. Because he can still redshirt if he wants and have Correct. two full years. Well, well, but he, he may choose to just play the rest of this year out and burn the year. He told me, it was probably two weeks ago, um, we were talking, I was doing pregame interview for the radio side of things. And, and he, he at the time said that it was going to be in a couple of weeks, which would now be now, um, that he was going to sit down with Coach Pope and they were going to discuss this. So maybe maybe, it, maybe there is something. Selfishly, I'd love for him to not play this year and have him for two years in the Big 12. Yep. But I wouldn't be surprised if he says, I've been here a couple of years, last year's my last year. And then If he wants to play, I, I more power to him. It'll be certainly. interesting to work him into the rotation. Absolutely. All right, are you more excited for March Madness or after seeing the latest trailer, March Mandalorian, coming out March 1st. Ooh, good question. I'm excited about both, certainly. Just finished Rebels, by the way. Incredible. It took me a long time to finally get that. Um, March Madness, probably, because uh, Mandalorian I can watch anytime. Yeah, it's probably March Madness. Plus, it's so special. Yeah, well, look, I, I love The Mandalorian. I think it's fantastic. Um, but yeah, because you can watch it at any time, live sports can't do that. And it'll be week to week. March Madness, I can consume all those games Correct. right away. Yes, right? yes. Okay, it's James Earl Jones' 92nd birthday. Better movie role, Field of Dreams, Sandlot, or The Voice of Darth Vader? It's, it's a no-brainer. Hands down, it's Darth Vader. It's the greatest villain 100%. of all time. 100%. It's, it's that voice with Darth Vader, you can't separate them. Nope. So, yes, it's Darth Vader. No, no, no. It's, and happy 92nd birthday to James Earl Jones. It's Darth Vader. Yes. Absolutely. Join the conversation 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook using the hashtag BYUSN. The best of BYU Sports Nation rolls on after this. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Oh, it's a terrific transfer transformation, or we hope it will be for BYU football. On the heels of adding a second-team AP All-American at the FCS level and Eddie Heckard to Let's the defensive go. backs room. It's got us thinking, okay, now that the transfer window has, uh, window has closed for now, it'll open back up, but it's yep. closed for now. Yep. Who are the top three transfers that we have the highest expectations for as they move to BYU football and help the Cougars go into the Big 12? We came up with this list independently of three, and we chose the exact three, I think in the same order, uh, which is Keaton Slovis, Aiden Robbins, Isaiah Bagnett. Yes. Right? Okay. Yes. Let's break it down. Keaton Slovis, quarterback, he's got to be the best transfer BYU has. If he is, BYU's got a real shot at uh, obviously having a uh, making a bowl, but maybe challenging for seven, eight wins. I don't know. Maybe let's get crazy. Maybe somehow BYU goes to nine in his first year of the Big 12. I don't know. Can you imagine having low expectations for the BYU quarterback? <laughs> <laughs> well, honestly um, – Going into the bowl game, we didn't know what to expect from Cade Fennigan or Bull J. Mayava, yeah. Peters, and uh, they delivered in a nice way. It, it, that was a defensive game. Anyway, yeah. In that game, I was like, I don't know what sure. to expect. Let me rephrase. But we Can didn't you... have low. You're yeah. right. 
We just didn't know. Can you imagine having low expectations for a BYU quarterback during the offseason? We're like, yeah, probably going <laughs> to stink in that position. No, we feel confident that Keen Slovis and Jake Retzloff and uh, Cade Fennigan and, and Ryder Burton and the gang can produce some goodness, okay? Specifically, early numbers from me, like 3K is the number you got to get to in college football. 3,000 passing yards. Assuming you're healthy like 90% of the year or whatever, like 27 touchdowns plus. I looked at 30. I was like, should it be 30? There's only been like 15 seasons where you had a 3,000-yard passer. Like, it's not as just automatic as you think. Um, so, yeah, like, uh, sorry, uh, 30 touchdowns, not sure. 3,000. Okay. 3,000, that's like left-handed. Uh, you could do that <laughs> for everybody not named Steve Young and Riley Nelson. But 20, 30 touchdowns is a little hard. So something okay. like that with Keaton. All right. So you've added, you've attached a number to that, and I, and I like that. Early thoughts. Because I, I don't know. I, I have high expectations for him, but yeah, what what uh, defines high expectations for Keaton? Three thousand's not that high to me, honestly. Like high would be like thirty five hundred. That's do high. BYU fans expect Keaton Slovis to match a line like Jaron Hall had this year? I think the answer is yes. Because it's probably unfair. Like Jaron Hall is one of the top fifteen quarterbacks in the game. Do we feel like Keaton's going to be one of the top fifteen twenty guys in college football? That's pretty ambitious. Absolutely. Uh, I think top 25 or 30 is probably a fair ask, top 30. And Keaton Slovis is not throwing to Puka Nakua in some of these right. scenarios, right? Doesn't have an NFL guy sitting there. Although, maybe some of those guys become NFL guys later. We're not ruling, not ruling that out yes. at all. Yeah. But for me, yeah, the 3,000-yard mark feels like, okay, baseline for some form of success. As far as touchdowns go, I'm not so much worried about the number of touchdown passes as I am about the touchdown-to-interception ratio. Like, if Keaton Slovis throws 20 touchdowns and only has four or five interceptions, great. I'm looking for a four- or five-to-one touchdown-to-interception ratio. That's what Aaron Roderick values probably the most, is ball security and smart decision-making, not turning the ball over. So, for me, that's what I'm looking at. I expect Keaton Slovis to be smart as a veteran with one year left to have a five- or four-to-one touchdown-to-interception ratio. So, whatever the number is, great. Just don't throw a lot of interceptions. Um, Jaron Hall and Zach Wilson in the last three seasons have combined for 14 total interceptions. That's amazing. That is stupid low. That's amazing. Now, I don't know that we can expect that number to stay the same. Hopefully, Keaton Slovis takes care of the ball. Now, back in the 80s and 90s, BYU would throw a ton of picks. Like, we forget this. They were cavalier. Ty Detmer was chucking it around to Miami. Yes. I think think BYU had like five turnovers, uh, giveaways in the Miami game. Still one. You can overcome those things. But BYU was built to protect the ball. Again, there's influences from all over the place from a long time ago. But, like, I know people don't want to hear it. But guess what? I'd love for BYU to be what Utah is right now. Power 5 champ competing for a playoff spot, playing in big games. Let's get to that point. Utah protects the ball, runs the ball well, plays great defense, excellent special teams. Their offense has taken a step forward. That's why they've won the Pac-12 the last two years, because their offense is actually a threat. They actually got a good quarterback that makes plays. Like when they've had Alex Smith and Brian Johnson came right, they're pretty good. BYU's always had the good quarterback, always had the good offense. You take care of the ball and you have good defense, now you have something. Can BYU combine those two? Remember 2012 and 13, BYU had like, Excellent defenses. Not just excellent, elite Offenses defenses. weren't good enough. It was young Taysom and Jamal figuring it out, rushed for a million yards in 2013, but you played seven power fives. You weren't ready for that schedule. 2012, amazing, amazing defense. Like, 
seven NFL guys on that side or something? Giving up under 14 a game. Off- yes, the offense wasn't good enough. Can BYU's offense be good enough? Which brings us to the number two player on our list, Aiden Robbins. Absolutely. UNLV, I'm expecting 1,000 yards and 10 touchdowns. Like, <laughs> if Chris Brooks had been healthy all year, I think he puts up those numbers. I think we expect a similar output, but obviously, hopefully, a full season of health for Aiden Robbins. 82-ish, 84 yards a game yeah. over a 12-game slate. Yeah. Throw in a 13th if you go to a bowl game, which we are hopeful we, we BYU sure will do. So. Yeah. Right? 83.3 is the That's number. the minimum yeah. threshold of success in yeah. terms of the wins and losses. Yeah, get to a bowl game. Even beat, in year one of the Big 12. Beat five FBS teams. Okay. Okay. Go, go bowling. Aiden Robbins, yes. I expect him to be a 1,000-yard rusher. We want four Big 12 wins minimum because we're expecting Sam Houston and Southern Utah to be wins. That's what we're asking for. Four I, of I the don't nine. think that's too much to ask of this BYU team. I don't think so either. Yeah. With Keaton Slovis at quarterback and all the experience he has as a Power 5 quarterback. By the way, he says he's already developing a great rapport with the receivers yep. and has specifically pointed out, I'm super impressed with how detail-oriented they are in their route running, their precision, and just their work ethic. So some good things already being developed. Like to hear that. Love it. Aiden Robbins is going to be a 1,000-yard guy. Like So with those guys, our, our top two impact transfers that we have discussed thus far in play, I don't think six wins is too much to ask. No, 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 no. It's minimum. It's minimal. But we're scared of being ambitious after last year, and we don't know what the Big 12 is going to offer in terms of resistance, right? Maybe BYU is the TCU. I'm not saying go to the national yeah. championship game, but the we don't know what they do, and then boom, they're really competitive in that league. I want BYU to have a scenario where in the red zone, inside the three-yard line, they feel like we're going to hand it to Aiden Robbins three times in a row, and one of these times, he's at worst, he's going to break in and one we of these We did not plays. feel that way last year, no. and that was frustrating. That's an expectation I have. Amen. Is inside the three-yard line, BYU can feel confident behind their offensive line that they can hand it to Aiden Robbins, big physical running back, like BYU did with Harvey Unga and others, and he can run into the end zone yes. and get it and score a touchdown. Yes. So you say ten touchdowns. I want him to score. I want him to average one touchdown a game. A million touchdowns. Right? I want Let's him to go. average one touchdown a game. Yeah. So I'd 12, 13. I would love so that. It's not crazy. Let's go. Okay. Third transfer, Jerem. Yes. And I wasn't Lead sure about there. this one because Eddie Heckard is the recency bias. Like yes. he's a second team All American. He's gonna he's gonna be an immediate impact player for Gennaro Guilford's room. It's tough to like burst onto the scene and like have just like this game-changing effect as a defensive back by nature of the position. Unless you're intercepting well, a ball once we, a game. Or... May, maybe he's a special dude that we haven't seen in a minute. Okay. I don't know. Okay. BYU's had some good players. Don't get me wrong. I don't want to discredit what they've done, but has BYU, BYU's had one NFL defensive back drafted since the 90s. Yes. It was it, Chris Wilcox. Yes, Chris Wilcox. Trying, like barely in Then there. you got to go back to Derwin Green. Yes. Maybe Eddie... Hellard, I mean Heckard, is the guy. <laughs> maybe, maybe he is the guy. He will allow, we think, because of what he did at Weber State, yeah. BYU to be more unique in their defensive formations and packages. Perhaps. And blitz schemes. They're going to throw him out on an island against some really good receivers in the yes, Big 12. Yes, yes, So may, maybe he is the answer as the third impact transfer. But we chose someone else. I want it to be this guy, Jerem. I want it to be Isaiah Bagnett. Amen, man. Amen. Helping out that BYU defensive line, edge rusher. Kelly Papinga, 
And the BYU defense, Jay Hill, they're really excited about this guy and the prospect of what he could do. And they feel like we haven't had a guy like him at BYU in a minute. So, I would agree. Okay. Sacks from the edge have not been a big deal. If you I, in fact, we've been told, uh, no, they just eat blocks in the back of the – no, edge rushers get sacks. Come I on. want him to be the guy. Yes. And so maybe it's maybe that's why I'm like, uh, probably is Eddie Heckard, but yeah. I want it to be Isaiah Bagman. We hope he has the tongue of the learned. We hope he has four-plus sacks. We hope he has eight-plus tackles for loss and leads the team in both. Which, by the way, this year, John Nelson, three sacks, led the team too low. For an individual that plays that much. Um, but John's young. That was a good number for him. Tyler Batty led with seven tackles for loss. We need double-digit tackles for loss, guys. Yeah. Where's Kyle Vannoy had like 44 and a half. He's an all-timer. <laughs> but like 44 and a half. Let's go. Can we go five sacks and ten tackles for loss? I would take it right now. Come on. Okay, topic two. Is tomorrow night's men's hoops game at San Francisco a must-win already for oh. BYU's NIT resume? I hate talking about an NIT resume, but we got to do it right now. Yeah, well, and we have to do it on the heels of a frustrating loss against Santa Clara, Yeah, right? One that we kind of saw coming. Santa Clara's pretty good. <laughs> I, I love the must-win conversation because we're in the middle of conference play. I know. but World, World War II is must-win. We are looking at what's available for BYU in terms of signature wins. Yep. Left on the schedule, there aren't many games out there. Does the NIT care about signature wins, or is it just volume of wins? I don't know. Are they looking at the net well, and what, they what, care about your Ken Paul? Like I don't well, know. They, I'm sure they care about the net and to a degree like, because kind of? it's like the best teams that just miss out on the NCAA tournament. Right, and it's not just hey, if you had 22 wins, you're in. It's like well, it depends what league you played in, right? Yes, like, WCC and if you get 20 you something beat. Wins. BYU has some nice wins yeah. on the resume. They have enough to get in the NIT Creighton, in terms of quality. Dayton, Utah, I feel like they need a good win in conference. Okay, I was looking They'll at this get last it. night. They'll get it. BYU has beaten all four of the wins in conference play, Jerem, have come against teams that have worse records in league play than BYU right now. It, so the games you should win. The three losses that BYU has in conference have all come against teams that have better records than, than them in the WCC. San Francisco has a worse record than BYU, but it's a quad two game, and this allows BYU to split a really tough Bay Area road trip. So the urgency is there for me. It's not yeah. a must win. Like for what? The NIT? Yeah. No. No. Like there, there are a few more opportunities because BYU plays St. Mary's twice in Gonzaga, and they get to host Santa Clara and San Francisco. Like there are more games that BYU can win, yep. but I do feel the urgency because if BYU loses this game to San Francisco – then they got to come home and host St. Mary's. And now the Cougars are looking at potentially a three-game losing streak and now going into a losing record territory in the WCC. One of the best teams in the country coming in next Saturday. BYU needs to walk into Vegas with at least 19 wins to me. That needs, means they need to go 5-4 and four in the uh, final nine here. 20 means typically means uh, NIT for BYU. The average, the last five appearances since 2013 in the NIT of wins walking into the postseason mm-hmm. is 22 yeah. for BYU. So, um if BYU can finish uh, with, the, with you know, that record down the stretch, 9-7 and seven gets you about fourth or fifth, typically fifth. And then uh, you go to the NIT. By the way, NYC Buckets, BYU's in but on the bubble as of Monday. On the Resource, bubble. Resource Nexus has BYU as a seventh seed. The Barking Crow, whatever that is, doesn't have BYU <laughs> as of Monday. The Barking Crow. I hate looking up How NIT bracketology. You? The Barking Crow not have BYU in the NIT bracketology. One of my favorite Jack Handy phrases. <laughs> the crows are calling my name, thought Ka. <laughs> so 
Ay, ay, ay. Not a must win, but man, it, it would certainly If BYU win. doesn't win Saturday, it's over. I, I pick him yeah. to go 19 and 12 in our preseason projections. That's so what they're, they're right on they're part. Right right on, they're right on track for that. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Good whip round is presented by Marisk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. Let's stick with the theme of the day. Will Lauren Gustin out-rebound San Francisco today? No DeSantos is a big story, we learned, um, from San Francisco, who's their second-leading rebounder. It's uh, about seven a game. But USF is actually the number one rebounding team in the conference per game. They're average about 40 and a half. I'm going to say no. I think they're more skilled, although no DeSantos creates the possibility it could happen. I'm going to say no as well. It's hard to out-rebound an entire team, especially <laughs> one that emphasizes rebounds yeah. like San Francisco, as you mentioned. They're averaging 40.5. Even if you take away the 7.5 by DeSantos, like... can Lauren get 34 rebounds? Can she? I'm going to yes. watch to find Will out. Will she? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> okay, the website Play Michigan polled 2,000 people about the most arrogant fan bases in college football. BYU was honorably mentioned after the top five, although I think that should just be mentioned. Then 24-7 Sports made the following comment. How many Utah fans were involved in this poll? Casting votes towards BYU for arrogance is a pretty odd thing to do. Eh, not for them. Cougars have quietly been one of the best group of five teams for years. Independently, yeah. And they will soon make the jump to the Power Five by joining the Big 12 Conference. But unless there's some strong regional hatred, yes, BYU has rarely garnered enough national attention to breed any sort of arrogance amongst the fan base. Ouch. BYU has an incredibly passionate fan base and Provo's one of the most scenic venues in all of college football. The Cougars faithful have those things to hang their hat on. Was that an insult or a compliment? If it comes from the Michigan fans, they haven't gotten over 1984. <laughs> so I, I get that. It's been a hot There's minute. There's a few of them yeah. ago. Remember that one time uh, when Harbaugh was out hurt and yep. this and that? Um, and it's another school's greatest achievement, winning the national title. Uh, if it came from the Ute fans, that would just be par for the course. Um, and BYU fans it, give it back. It's take like, it as a compliment yeah. because it is tough to come here and win. You might not get sworn at, you might not see a drunk fan, but they're going to yell and scream as The Rock has established itself as a, as a national icon, you know, ESPN's favorite fan section uh, is The Rock, and, and they do it the right way, but man, shooting free throws into that thing, forget it. Yeah, it's, it's tough, and BYU fans are great. Um, absolutely uh, awesome, and I hope all teams understand that. Men's volleyball, I talk to opposing coaches, they love coming here, and it's amazing, right? Um, yeah, 1984 is interesting, because I think winning the national title was the best and worst thing ever for BYU. Best because, obvious, you win the national title. Worst because you think it's still possible. Um, we're just trying to get to the New Year's Six or the expanded playoff and just see what happens, Seriously, right? if you haven't won one, though, you're just... He's just staring into the abyss, <laughs> like we know some teams are. BYU Photo shared this drone footage uh, showing the rock Look at this. lining up prior this to the Gonzaga awesome. game. Um, what would it take for you to stand in a line that long under that? And by the way, it's not warm. It's Don't in January. by the sun. At this point of my this. life, nothing. Um, I was trying to think like, okay, what's the one band I haven't seen that I want to see? Foo Fighters. What I did, uh, no, I'm getting sold where I'm like, I'll just buy a ticket where I have a seat. Like I'm at that point, I used to be the 
stand, although I went to Coldplay in May and stood on the floor with my mom in Phoenix, it was great. But uh, almost nothing, I'm kind of getting old now. Life-saving life medication, <laughs> that's about the only thing that would keep me in a line. And even like then, that. if life's on the line, you ain't getting in time in that line. <laughs> you just pay someone who's up ahead. Yes. Let, let me tell you a trick I've started doing, Dave. I'll go like at a, uh, in a big line at a concert. I'll go to like three people from the front and I'll say, I'll pay you $5 to buy me something. Like I'll pay you, that shirt costs 40 bucks. I'll pay you $45 on Venmo right now. And then I just skip the line. And it'll only cost me five bucks. Genius. I, th I think it is. Genius move. Okay, we got this tweet from at Timoteo Mitchell, aka the Palani Kalani, where he found a $3 old BYU TV sports shirt. Old logo, it's been a minute. Is that worth $3? You better believe it is. It's priceless. It was probably four and got marked down to three. <laughs> Someone said, did you watch that before hey, you Hey, we've made it. BYU sports, BYU TV sports stuff is at Desert, in Desert Industries. We've made it. It's, we're in that it's era of the show. It's gone the cycle of I've had this shirt for so long I don't need it anymore. Yes. I'm going to give it to someone else. It was probably uh, Scott Hill, one of our directors, <laughs> gave it up. BYU basketball posted photos taken by Trevanel. What if we're going to see Trevanel playing basketball soon? Anyway, this is uh, Coach Mark Pope on the plane, wearing not only a thick coat, but I think that's a BYU Sports Nation beanie. It is. Just like the ones we have. It'll be at DI in a couple years. You have to ask yourself, is he going to the Iditarod or is he going to <laughs> basketball games? I think he's going uh, into male modeling. Uh, is that blue steel? He right looks there, that's amazing. He looks, he looks angry. Either that or he has an allergy uh, to one of the foods he's holding. But, uh, a lot yeah. of planes have heat today. Apparently that one doesn't. And, and let's be honest, in Provo, they're going to walk outside to get on the plane. <laughs> so that's probably why he was bundled up. Still. All good. Cougar Whip Round presented by Marisk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. Lauren Gustin, the best athlete on campus. Yes. Who's like, better? Is she the best at her player? sport? Yeah. Like in, in any of the sports I'm on campus right now. Athleticism, although she's right there. I'm just talking like she is the best BYU player currently. Because if you're like, well, what about Jaron Hall and Puka and Blake? Those dudes are now on campus. Those guys are training for the NFL. I think the other two athletes that have a case are both from BYU women's soccer, and it's because they were just named All-Americans. All Americans. Yeah. Brecken Mazingo and Jamie Shepard. Great soccer banquet the other they night, were, by the way. They put on a good party. They were fantastic. Yeah. They are, they are, I mean, at another level. But what Lauren is doing individually, like, she's the top rebounder in the country. Jerem, she's going to be an All-American. Yeah. 100%. Lauren Gustin will be an All-American, so she will be on no, that level. I think she's number one. There's some amazing track athletes and runners as well, some amazing all over BYU. This is one of the, out of the fall, they were number three Yeah, the Director's yeah, Cup. Cross like, Country's got some unbelievable athletes as well. Yes, but there's not a Connor Mance Whitney Orton sitting there. Casey Klinger was amazing, right? But he's done. Um, yeah, I think she's the best. It's an interesting conversation. We're spoiled with just the Tremendous. wealth of incredible Olympic sports athletes at BYU. Right? You and I call most of those games. We really appreciate that wow. they're good, trust me. How about Gonzaga? Finally losing a home game in men's basketball against LMU of all teams. Does that bring a smile to my face unknowingly? Are we happy for LMU or are we just bitter that BYU missed out on a game they should have won? I wouldn't say I'm bitter, but I am still disappointed that BYU didn't finish the deal there. But yeah, LMU's program continues to rise under Stan Johnson. I'm happy for Stan Johnson. 
From and, Taylorsville. Yes. One of us. Yes, yes. I, I like Stan Johnson. Uh, interviewed him, talked to him at length during media days Good in dude. Las Vegas. He is an amazing human being. Yeah. Like Very Yes, I really like that yeah. guy. So I was super happy for him. And I like that the conference race is now kind of, it feels a little wide open, right? Like, well, I, I wish BYU was the clear three, but right now they're fine. Uh, they got to win. They got to beat San Francisco. Yes, they do. Uniform authority gave BYU the best blackout jersey, fourth best whiteout, second best monochrome uniform of the season. <laughs> Better bragging rights, that or the stone cold sober school every year. Jerem, nothing is going to beat. <laughs> How many years in a row of... Stone Cold Sober? I think sober. since 1847 <laughs> when uh, Brigham Young showed up here. When you're number one in that category for so long, That's we need good. to embrace what BYU is. We know what we, we are. We need to wave that we flag and we need to drink the chocolate milk every day it gets renewed. Yeah. Yeah. We need to drink chocolate milk I, more often, period. I love the uniform swag. That is awesome. <laughs> If it meant losing Stone Cold Sober status in that number one spot for years, I, Listen, I wouldn't want to lose that. If we lose Stone Cold Sober, there's going to be some <laughs> issues in Salt Lake. I'll tell you that right, right now. That wraps up the best of BYU Sports Nation this week. Tune in next Saturday for the Cougar news you need to hear. And catch the BYU Sports Nation simulcast every day at noon Eastern, 9 Pacific, on BYU TV and BYU Radio. BYU.